Be Rad podcast is brought to you by MoFo, male optimization formula with organs to boost testosterone. Brad's macadamia masterpiece, mind-blowing nut butter blend, now offered on Amazon. Chili technology, temperature-controlled mattress systems for a good night's sleep. InsideTracker.com, offering blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data all in one place. And Organifi, whole food organic superfood supplements and drink blends. And please visit the shopping page at bradkearns.com for my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance with great discounts for listeners. Here we go with the show. You have to set goals that are really doable and reasonable. Something that you can shake your head at and go, of course I can do that. That sounds so easy. And then when you have these little successes, you leverage these successes from the baby steps you take. The group energy, wonderful. Getting together with a training partner, joining a group training exercise program or a group class at the gym. I mean, it's uh, a lot to ask to be self-motivated all the time. You want to do something that's doable and sustainable so that you can accumulate a streak and it doesn't feel like too much trouble. Hey folks, how about a non-drinker telling you what kind of alcohol you should drink? That's right, it's pseudo-sommelier Brad Kearns here to recommend dry farm wines. Why? Because if you choose to drink, I want you to be healthy and make a superior choice to the mainstream commercial wines. Listen to my podcast with Dry Farm Wines founder Todd White. The insights were astonishing, especially that most all commercial wines are loaded with dozens of chemicals that the FDA allows in your wine but don't have to be listed on the label. And the sugar, oh my goodness, the sugar levels can be as much or more per liter than Coca-Cola but difficult to taste due to the acidity in the wine. Dry Farm Wines is a membership club where you're shipped hand-picked wines from old-world family-run vineyards in France, Italy, Greece, and Sicily. These wines come from non-irrigated vineyards hundreds of years old that deliver a tastier, higher antioxidant grape, and they're independent lab certified to be completely free from chemical additives and naturally 100% sugar-free. That's right, the sugar was allowed to ferment out instead of be arrested by chemical intervention in the name of pleasing the average consumer palate that has a sweet tooth. The Dry Farm Wines Club has taken off like crazy because ancestral and keto enthusiasts, people who care about their health, appreciate a sugar-free wine. You'll enjoy the variety, the taste, and the pleasant sensation in the aftermath of burning through the alcohol buzz and going on with your life without a hangover. So if you care about your carb intake and your overall health, Dry Farm Wines has a special promotion for podcast listeners. Get your first bottle for a penny when you enroll at dryfarmwines.com slash brad or click on the Dry Farm Wines at the bradkerns.com shopping page. Cheers. Hey, who's getting tired of people giving excuses about why they fell off their exercise momentum due to restrictions, quarantines? I am because there's no excuses. And here's how to form. 
a powerful, sustainable habit of exercise and fitness. I read an interesting article on medium.com, and so I'm going to honor that and uh, go through some of the comments written by Stacy Cam. But I also have some stuff to say out of the gate, honoring some of the great podcast interviews and people giving you tips about personal growth, peak performance. John Asaraf was one of them, and I love his insight that you have to set goals that are really doable and reasonable. Something that you can shake your head at and go, of course I can do that. That sounds so easy. And then when you have these little successes, you leverage these uh, successes from the baby steps you take instead of which we usually find happening is setting these wonderful, awesome, daunting goals that sound so good on paper, but in real life, you can't seem to align with it. Then you get discouraged, then you fall off and there goes the rinse and repeat pattern. Bummer. Here's what's happening here. Remember my show with Mark Manson and my wrap-up show of his insights from his two books. I think that's maybe where I got into this more. Uh, but he talks about how we have two brains, the thinking brain and the feeling brain. So the thinking brain, the executive function, making this elaborate goal, writing it down. I'm going to go to the gym three times a week. I'm going to do two of these classes and then work out with the trainer the other day. I'm not going to eat dessert anymore. I'm sick of it. And you write it down and it really feels good to your thinking brain, but you need to get buy-in from your feeling brain, from your emotional brain. The emotional feeling brain actually rules over our thinking brain. But guess what? We pretend that it doesn't in our thinking brain. Are you with me here? This is Mark Manson Insight. It's brilliant. <sighs> so how do we get uh, emotional buy-in? Because after all, only emotion motivates us to take action. So getting that buy-in is key. And here's the solution. You have to connect your thinking brain with your feeling brain. When you're pondering logical life decisions, you want to ask your feeling brain to weigh in, <laughs> weigh in on all logical decisions by asking yourself how you feel about it and then assess the answer without judgment. Then you need to convince your feeling brain that it's going to benefit. This is where we have to engage in those visualization exercises, doing the mind movie, the vision board. How will it feel to be behind the wheel of that new car or to have the body of your dreams? Oh my gosh, it's going to feel great. I'm getting so emotionally excited about it. Now I can get buy-in to what my logical brain wrote down on this piece of paper about going to the gym three times a week, no matter what, or setting the alarm or whatever's on there that your emotional brain is not quite buying into yet. And you know why this happens often is that our feeling brain deep down, deep down, Bette Midler said, deep down feels like we don't deserve the success due to flawed childhood programming from ages zero to seven. Remember, we've heard that in a few shows, especially the insights from Dr. Bruce Lipton's book, The Biology of Belief, and so many other people uh, trumping, hitting this high point now as a common theme that we're walking around uh, a lot of times operating, operating from the subconscious and playing out our flawed childhood programming over and over again. Listen to my uh, most recent show with Dr. Wendy Walsh, how that plays out in relationship dynamics, where we're repeating the, the patterns that we learned in childhood because we're trying to solve the problem this time around. That's why a high propensity, for example, uh, children of alcoholics tend to engage in relationships with alcoholics. It's a high pattern there uh, because you're drawn to this because you recognize the familiar pattern and you want to solve it this time. So we want to break free from being controlled 
by flawed childhood programming and these undeserving feelings that we reinforce every time we fail with a diet and exercise plan and instead get that emotion stirred up, the excitement and the emotional payoff of life change and going after these goals and achieving them. Uh, Mark Manson, again, quote, our self-worth is the sum of our emotions over time. If we can't equalize, then we accept inferiority, shame, and low self-worth. But he argues very persuasively that self-worth is an illusion. It's a form of persistent, low-level narcissism because you imagine yourself as something special and something something separate from the world, right? Whether you have low self-worth or irrationally high self-worth, it's the same thing. So your identity, such as I'm not great about adhering to an exercise program. I'm not really a morning person. This identity will stay your identity until an event changes it. And there's two ways to get out of this trap. First, we examine the narratives of our lives and reposition them. That's where we're talking about the the, the mind movie, the vision board, the visualizations, the manifesting, the repeating, the uh, turnaround statements that we talk about in the book, Two Meals a Day. That's a Jack Canfield uh, technique where if you identify uh, some flawed programming and some uh, things that aren't working right for you, some flawed and damaging self-limiting beliefs, you create a turnaround statement like, I am open to being a more dedicated fitness enthusiast. And you say them over and over. I think he wants you to say them uh, a few times a day uh, for a couple minutes for a month straight. And then you start to embrace this uh, new possibility. So examining the narratives of your lives and repositioning them. And second, visualizing the future that you want for yourself and making that your new identity. You're going to be uh, the gym rat, the person that shows up regularly and enjoys it and feels great. So you let the feeling brain try on this new identity, and then that's how you become accustomed to it. Now, Is this going to be easy? No, it actually should be a difficult exercise because it means you're getting to the heart of things and that you're actually going to transform into that fitness freak who's always at the gym, in the front row, on time, enjoying the exercise, smiling the whole way through. Uh, I'm giving the example of uh, struggling to adhere to a fitness program, right? But if you can't relate to that, like I can't relate to that, to, to struggling to adhere to an exercise program because it's been part of my life since I was seven years old. And I saw the uh, 1972 Olympics in Munich and was captivated by the athletes. And I started training for for Montreal, I guess, 76. Maybe I was a little young, uh, but I went out in my backyard after elementary school and I'd practice my favorite events, including building my own hijack facility and bringing the beanbags out there. Uh, So that was, you know, dating back quite a long time. That's almost 50 years where exercise has been an automatic, right? But if I can't relate to that example, you can fill in whatever blank you want. Uh, I can identify with flawed values relating to money and financial responsibility. So here's my thinking brain. Uh, Guess what? I studied accounting in college. That was my minor. So I'm pretty good about uh, where to put things on the balance sheet. Uh, Budgeting, planning, all these concepts are very familiar to me, but I did not get or I have not at times uh, got buy-in from my feeling brain. 
therefore, what happens if you don't get buy-in from your feeling emotional brain and you have money in your pocket, it burns a hole through your pocket, right? Can anyone relate to that if you can't relate to the exercise example? Yeah, uh, irresponsible spending, not saving or investing wisely, uh, engaging in panic behavior, for example, people who blow out of the market when there's a dip because they, they get panicked, anxious, nervous. Uh, John Asaraf admitted to that himself. He says in his story where you know he's had the uh, won and lost fortunes twice, he goes, I realized that I was really good at making money, just not very good at saving or investing. So these blocks occur in whatever example you can conjure up. And this is how we're going to uh, break through that and connect the thinking brain and the feeling brain. Okay. So we want to devise an awesome plan with our thinking brain that will make for a great long-term lifestyle, uh, providing both short-term gratification, instant gratification, right, for that emotional brain, and long-term satisfaction. For example, my precious morning routine that I'm so excited about and talk about so frequently, go look on YouTube, Brad Kern's morning routine. I've been doing it every day without fail for four years straight. It leaves me feeling great right away, right? I feel more fluid and flexible and energized. I'm, it's kind of the wake-up call, especially when I do uh, the yoga wheel move in the middle of the morning routine, a very difficult move. And when I pull down from that sort of an inverted pose, my brain is filled with oxygen and blood circulation and if I was feeling a little groggy before that, I'm doing good as I continue through uh, the sequences that mean so much to me and help me so much with my fitness goals and elevating the fitness platform from which I launch all formal workouts. So the morning routine is locked in there. I feel good right away. And I also feel good about the long-term commitment to it. So I have total buy-in from my feeling brain to this program that my thinking brain thinks is such a great idea. So because it feels great and I've built some momentum, now I feel deserving to wake up every morning and take this personal time for myself, do something for myself that's enjoyable, and it feels super easy and doable. So that means that I'm not going to fail and let down my feeling brain and feel like a dork. I bring it on every single day without any hesitation or necessity to apply uh, willpower or things like that. So that's kind of the setup that I'm inspired by Mark Manson, John Asaraf, and uh, putting these insights together to connect that thinking and feeling brain. Uh, then some more practical tips from Stacy Cam's article on medium.com, and of course, my color commentary. Uh, the first one she mentions is don't break the chain, the Jerry Seinfeld strategy. And that flows nicely into my comments about my morning routine. So Seinfeld's now world-famous strategy is to have a simple calendar and write an X on a day when he was able to sit down and write jokes. And he's got a book out now. He's famous for his work ethic, his long career in Hollywood. And it was driven by pure, raw, hard work where he just put in the hours, put in the time. I love his standard advice for any stand-up comic who comes and asks him, oh, should I uh, get my social media on point and do some cross-promoting and blah, blah, blah. And Seinfeld says, the first and foremost thing that you should do is work on your act. 
and then let, let everything else kind of flow, right? All the opportunities will flow to you if you continue to work on your act. So Seinfeld has this strategy of writing an X on the calendar on the day that he was able to sit down and write jokes. Now, if you start to accumulate uh, 27 X's in a row or whatever it is, now you are enrolled in this streak so it starts to take on some meaning that you don't want to break the chain. And I can definitely relate to this with my morning routine because I'm not a, a, a streaky, regimented guy. I kind of uh, you know, answer to my own calling every single day in, in work and in, in personal life and of flexibility with my schedule. And so I never really had something to anchor my day uh, until I started this morning routine four years ago. Uh, now, Here's the thing, if it's overwhelming and you try to take on too much and put that X on there every time you run uh, more than 10 miles, <laughs> you're not going to have a, a streak because it's just unsustainable. I was riding on the ski lift yesterday uh, with a gentleman who was talking about uh, when COVID started, oh, his fitness routine took off. It was fantastic because now he had free time and he went and shot baskets every single day at the park and uh, jogged over there. And then at home, he did uh, a sequence of uh, stretching moves followed by uh, 100 push-ups or whatever his thing was, and it went and went and went. And then when he fell off a little bit at some point, right, because that was a lot of time and energy, uh, then he just completely lost interest in keeping this streak alive. So uh, John Asraf emphasizing that point too, that you want to do something that's doable and sustainable so that you can accumulate a streak and it doesn't feel like too much trouble. Uh, in my case, if you go on YouTube, uh, like I asked, and type in Brad Kern's morning routine, you will actually see two videos pop up one of them published in 2017, and that was my initial, original morning exercise mobility routine. And then you see the fun and games of uh, published in late 2020, where you have the, the fast motion where I go through everything in about 45 seconds, and then I explain it over the ensuing minutes of the video. Uh, but that initial routine was much, much easier. It took much less time, but that's what got me started out of the gate. And then over time, as I started to enjoy the experience and realize the benefits Benefits, what I would do was I would very carefully um, add a new exercise, something more difficult, uh, more reps, whatever it was. And then I'd establish that as the template. And I do the exact same thing every day going forward. Maybe it's two months down the road. And here I go adding a new exercise, maybe subtracting something that I don't feel like doing anymore. Uh, and that's the way it flows. So again, to keep that habit in place and make it as easy as possible, we want that thing to be repeatable every single day. So you don't have to think about it. You don't have to apply any creative energy. You just wake up, hit the deck and start in with it and don't judge the effort. You just do it no matter what, even if you're not in the mood. Okay. Okay, another cool tip from the article, only listen to that audiobook or podcast while you're running. So it's a special privilege and you can't indulge in your digital entertainment unless you're out there exercising. Uh, or, or only allow yourself to watch The Bachelor while running on the treadmill, for example. Want to know how that book ended? Go out on the run and find out. Cool. Next tip, get a dog. Oh my gosh, this is the most precious and 
wonderful tip I can imagine is answering to something bigger than yourself and the variations of your moods and your motivation. So this is the essence of being an accountable and reliable member of society, right? People at work can count on you, people in your family. And when you decide to own an animal, you owe that animal the lifestyle that it deserves. And so dogs need to get out into the open space, fresh air, do their business, get their exercise. And oh my gosh, for my entire adult life, dating back to my training days, uh, the dog was the single greatest source of motivation imaginable. It was beyond motivation. It was just automatic. The dog's eyes are looking at you like, hey, is it time for our morning run yet? Of course it is. Let me put off everything else because how can I turn it down? So get that dog and give it the life it deserves. Uh, Here's a next tip called have a plan B. So if it's too hot outside or it's raining, uh, get that gym membership so you can go in and use their treadmill. And that's great. Uh, We want to see people with a plan B at home when we're on quarantine and the gyms are closed. Otherwise, they get thrown off. Uh, So, yeah, definitely a sensible advice. Uh, But I also have a little input here on on the plan B concept, and that is to uh, quit whining and uh, worrying about perfect conditions. So these excuses that your gym closed down for quarantine or it's too crowded or the weather is too hot or too cold, uh, that stuff needs to go in the garbage can. I mean, think about the example of the dog. My dog never complains (laughs) whether it's raining, snowing, dark, If she's lying on her favorite bed and comfortable blanket by the fire on a warm, cozy evening, oh, call her name. She is at the door in two seconds ready for another exercise. So we need to kind of toughen up sometimes when we're looking and seeking those perfect conditions. And I'm sorry to come on so harsh here, but I see that so commonly with athletes where, you know, we're holding our finger up and uh, seeing if the the wind's going to hit it too hard uh, in order to cancel our workout. So get out there and accept any weather conditions that you face, realizing that the ability to experience weather is a gift. And there's a lot of people, uh, let's say, stuck in a hospital bed where it's 72 degrees Fahrenheit all the time and the weather's perfect, no complaints. Uh, Boy, wouldn't you like to uh, get out there and feel what it's like to be in a snowstorm or in the oppressive heat of summer or what have you? So enough about the weather and perfect conditions. Uh, Next, tip is the group energy. Wonderful, you know, getting together with a training partner, joining a group training exercise program or a group class at the gym. Right. I mean, it's uh, a lot to ask to be uh, self-motivated all the time. And I remember back in my triathlon training days, I did a lot of training alone, usually because I wanted to get the exact workout experience. Uh, You know, again, this is at the professional level. You're not doing it for social or for entertainment. So I knew exactly what I wanted to accomplish in training each day. And I didn't want to deviate from that. And I also wanted to create the most... efficient and comfortable schedule that was convenient for me, not having to drive too far or whatever and enable me to get more more rest and better recovery. Uh, so that's great if you're totally dialed in and you're a professional competitor training for the Olympics and your coach emails you, here's what you're going to do. You go out there and execute. But for most people, uh, boy, it's so much easier and it's so much more fun when you can share the experience and not have to worry about conjuring up your own personal source of motivation motivation every single time. So I loved when I would engage with other athletes and I would definitely make a point of doing that when it was uh, some really serious stuff like, uh, you know, going for an all day bike ride, much more fun. 
to do that in a group rather than by yourself. Uh, but I'll never forget one time when I was visiting Boulder, Colorado, uh, to spend a week training with Kenny Souza, the greatest duathlete of all time. And he was on top and on fire at that point in his career. And he was just a training machine every single day, getting out there and going for hours and hours. And uh, one day we were talking about uh, doing a long bike ride and just, you know, hanging around in the morning, uh, putzing around, getting ready. And I remember ducking into the bathroom and he said, all right, catch you later. <laughs> I'm like, wait a sec. Uh, you know, do you mind waiting for me? I, I came out here to train with you. I don't know where I'm going. I'm, I'm not familiar with the area. And he goes, oh, sure. No problem. But, you know, a five hour bike ride to him was such a routine event that he could take it or leave it as as uh, in terms of uh, waiting for me to be a training partner alongside him. And it was pretty uh, memorable exchange there because that's, you know, the highest level of focus and motivation where you're, you're not you're not even worried about uh, who's coming with you or who's not coming with you. Uh, but again, the group energy, uh, such a wonderful part of the fitness experience and pretty obvious. So if you are struggling or a uh, little bit losing your focus, whatever the conditions are, uh, set up a, a partner or a group. Okay. Track your data is uh, the next suggestion. Quoting the article, some runners do great when just running by feel. Personally, I'm obsessed with data. Looking at numbers and seeing my heart rate decrease, my pace getting quicker, gives me the motivation to get out there and keep improving my numbers. It's a numbers game for all those left side brainers out there. Okay, point taken. And uh, certainly tracking and logging can be a nice source of motivation and accountability. I also have seen in my many years coaching athletes and being immersed into these extreme endurance sports where you're talking about a population of type A people, uh, that this stuff can kind of also get in your way of a complete appreciation of experience and also making the best training decisions. So you become a slave to your training log or all the data that you can quantify, and that can kind of push you in the wrong direction when sometimes you need uh, rest and recovery, uh, but you're going to override that uh, due to this uh, obsession with technology and data tracking. So be careful using uh, tracking and data as a motivator. And ideally, your greatest source of motivation is going to be uh, the pure joy of the experience. And when you're out there physically performing, uh, some of that joy and appreciation comes from uh, the connection of the mind and body. So you're uh, focusing on your breathing, you're focusing on your technique. I have that wonderful viral video on YouTube, Brad Kern's Running Technique Instruction, where I'm talking about the importance of refining good technique even in a sport as simple as running, there's so much difference between losing energy and being inefficient uh, as opposed to executing the proper stride every time, even when you're just out there jogging. So there's always something to think about and concentrate on in terms of technique, in terms of monitoring your exertion level or your perceived exertion level. So shutting that off by listening to music, listening to a podcast, that can be uh, one step away from that complete appreciation of the experience. That said, I often use my exercise time to listen to podcasts or audiobooks or music or make a phone call. And that's just a personal choice. And there's only so many hours in the day. Uh, but it could conceivably be disconnecting you from that complete appreciation of the mind-body experience of exercise. So I'm going to advocate for at least once in a while 
uh, just going out there and listening to the sound of your breath and focusing on your technique and having that be part of your overall workout experience. Not that you have to do that every single time. Okay, here's another tip from the list. Plan out a new route for your exercise. Keep it fun and interesting by exploring a new part of town every day. Exploring the unknown is exciting enough to get you out of bed and do the workout. Oh, I love this one. And oh my gosh, my favorite experience as a triathlete when I was putting a lot of uh, time in on the bike was to plot out a point-to-point long-distance destination bike ride and then just get a ride from wherever I finished at. It was so much easier to go out there and pedal 100 miles point-to-point than to consider a loop and end up back home. It was just more exciting and you're just progressing the whole way, right? You know you're at mile 40 or mile 70 and some of our favorite ones uh, once we rode we tried to ride from uh, Los Angeles to Las Vegas which is 280 miles through the Mojave Desert we chose one of the hottest days of the year uh, in late July and went for it and we kind of bombed out at the 200 mile mark in the middle of the Mojave Desert in the town of Baker and that's when we uh, jumped into the motorhome and cruised into the the buffet lines at Vegas uh, allowing the uh, the motorhome our, our support crew to take us the last 80 miles, but it was a great experience to to be able to ride that far. Uh, I also rode to uh, Santa Barbara and back to Los Angeles with Johnny G. That was a 200-mile bike ride and done a ton of rides up in the 150, 160, 170-mile range. I used to ride from uh, UC Santa Barbara when I was a college student and just getting into triathlon, and I'd ride home routinely, and that was uh, between 105 and 120 miles. Uh, One time I rode down to Newport Beach, 150 miles. Another time I rode from uh, from Los Angeles down to San Diego, 170 miles. Look, I can recite all these by memory, and I know uh, great exact memories and uh, specific details of these rides so many years ago because they were so much fun. So destination bike rides, fun stuff, as long as it's safe, right, when you're uh, these days riding into a new territory uh, can be a little tricky uh, dealing with cars and mobile devices, things that I didn't have uh, back in my day. Yeah, but if you're going for a hike or a run or out there exploring nature, get that fantastic app called All Trails. You can get a free version, but you're going to love it so much that you're going to subscribe for, I think it was 60 bucks for two years, and they will show you uh, the available trails in your area, wherever you are on the globe, and all kinds of different options and measurements and comments from other users. So we're having a lot of fun uh, exploring all the hiking trails of Lake Tahoe and doing fun, new, interesting things. Super motivating. Okay, next tip uh, is make it a combined habit, and there's a lot of great research on this, where if you have a habit in place, such as you get up every day and drive your car over to Starbucks to get a coffee before beginning work in your new home-based quarantine job. Okay, so if you are locked into that habit, all you have to do is pair something that you want to make into a habit with the existing habit, and you'll have a much better chance of success. So let's say that you uh, do a workout first before you allow yourself to kick into the usual habit of going to Starbucks. Love that one. Uh, another tip is to sign up for a competitive event and have a goal out there in the future. Um, this is a great tip for anybody 
uh, because I'm so strong on the idea that you need something to charge you up every single day. And a distinct peak performance goal is a wonderful thing, even if you're not a competitive type. So for a lot of people uh, signing up for a race, you just want to finish. That's great. Uh, the competitive types might want to uh, improve their time from the previous year and pinpoint a new race. And all that's great. I've told you about my sprinting and high jumping goals. So I'm totally focused and really interested in improving my personal best. It doesn't necessarily have to be in an organized competition. So I'm not inclined to uh, get on an airplane and fly across the country and rent a hotel room so I can go uh, participate in an official meet and get an official high jump height because I bought my own standards and I can carry those over to the track anytime I want, put the bar up and pretend that it's the Olympics. And for me, uh, the meaning attached to my own personal peak performance is such that if I clear that high jump bar uh, in the empty high school stadium, I will scream and celebrate like it's the Olympic finals with 75,000 people in the stands. It doesn't matter. It's all the context. But that context is that you have something that's really driving you and you're really focused on and it means a lot to you and you're excited about it. And so the organized events, that's great. Uh, but even when we don't have that opportunity, such as in quarantine, when all the events were canceled, uh, I was so inspired to see uh, the dynamic duo, the brothers, uh, Dr. Steven and Eric Cobran, uh, getting out there and performing the virtual Boston Marathon. And they did it on the same day, uh, different parts of California, hundreds of miles apart. Uh, but everyone was, you know, uh, in enrolled in this. They were getting the text message updates and they put it out there and ran the 20 six miles. In Eric's case, he had some kind of a glitch with his uh, GPS watch. And so he had to run like four or five extra miles in 95 degree heat after finishing the Boston Marathon. He, he went out there and trudged through what he knew was extra distance so he could get the credit uh, along with the rest of the virtual community. Oh my goodness. But uh, that's kind of cool to have a, an actual event. Even if it's a virtual event, it can still mean a lot to you. And boy, those are a lot of great tips and concepts to think about, to noodle on, maybe pick and choose things that uh, you think will appeal and will work the best for you. But really, let's circle back to the very start when I talk about that bite-sized goal, because I think that's an incredibly powerful insight and so important to not overwhelm yourself, not try to take on too much, not set yourself up for failure. So let's set a tiny little goal of something that you want to improve. Maybe get out there and hit the deck like I recommend for the first five minutes of your day or, you know, the yoga sun salute sequence of exercises. You can go on YouTube and uh, search for uh, basic sun salute yoga sequence. And uh, just to say that you'll do those every single morning when you wake up, like probably over a billion people in the world do in the East. They do their Tai Chi sequences as soon as they wake up. I remember when I was visiting Beijing for a triathlon years ago, I went out for a morning jog out of my hotel and everywhere you look on the on the sidewalk or on the steps or in the park, there's people going through their Tai Chi sequences. And it was so beautiful and graceful. And think about that's how they start their day every single day. Do something like that yourself. And if you only have five minutes to devote, because I know a lot of people do have those hectic mornings, at least you can start something that's doable and sustainable and build your momentum from there. Thank you for listening. Go out there and form some great habits. 
Thank you for listening to the show. I love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support. Please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback, suggestions, and questions for the Q&A shows. Subscribe to our email list at bradkearns.com for a weekly blast about the published episodes and a wonderful bi-monthly newsletter edition with informative articles and practical tips for all aspects of healthy living. You can also download several awesome free ebooks when you subscribe to the email list. And if you could go to the trouble to leave a five or five star review with Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the shows, that would be super incredibly awesome. It helps raise the profile of the BRAD podcast and attract new listeners. And did you know that you can share a show with a friend or loved one by just hitting a few buttons in your player and firing off a text message? My awesome podcast player called Overcast allows you to actually record a soundbite excerpt from the episode you're listening to and fire it off with a quick text message. Thank you so much for spreading the word. And remember, be rad.